Welcome to the Cherry Picker After Dark, the Patreon-exclusive version of the Cherry Picker, the horror movie podcast where we like to kill people, but not really. I'm your host, Zach Cherry, and with me, as always, is... I can't push you down that hill! Eddie of Edward is Truth. <laughs> and <laughs> in this month's Cherry Picker After Dark, we are doing... Uh, well, okay, officially, I have titled this Final Girls Originals versus remake uh mm. so make of that what you will but uh we <laughs> have eight distinct pairs of original final girls and their remake counterparts and we are going yeah. to compare and contrast sort of the the difference in the evolution and and this is going to be based on a lot of uh different criteria uh, but, uh, at the end of that, or not the end, as we go through, we're going to rank them in the same style that we did way back when, when we did the final girl rankings, uh, for the cherry picker after dark, which, which was a while ago, but, uh, yeah. we, 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 we don't remember specifically, I have them written down where some of these characters were, cause most of them we did include on that list, but a lot of these are new yeah. to us. Uh, and essentially mm. like the, well, how we picked these is we wanted to only cover movies that we've talked about on the podcast thus far. Isn't that right, Edward? Uh, I mean, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, in the case of house on haunted Hill, we covered the remake. We did the reverse. And, yeah. 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 But, but uh, yeah, I mean, so, something that, that we have talked about or definitely will talk about later. Like, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Good Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we, we just kind of want to go through, through that and we're not necessarily going to be talking about the remakes themselves. It's just one specific component of it uh, as the final girl, but yeah. I'm sure that there's going to yeah. be remake discourse that comes out because a lot of what these sure. characters do kind of is reflective of the movie itself. So it's, I just want to say really yeah. badly, though, because, okay, the last two days, uh, like, I had to binge watch a lot of these. And I I mean, yes. I skimmed through most of them just to watch the scenes of the actual character. The final girls. Yeah. And it's this has given me, like, a newfound hatred of remakes. And I, oh I've, well, because I've always said that, like, you know, I would prefer a remake over a prequel. Cause I think that like prequels are such redundant stories to tell, yeah. but it's still new material. Whereas like I was watching some of these and it just, they felt so soulless to the point where I just like, I, I was bored and frustrated and that was like, wow, skimming through some of these movies. So I'm yeah. this, I mean the, the two thousands are, are my least favorite period for the horror genre <laughs> and a, right. a lot of that has to do with these movies i mean i i have to say i think i am in partial agreement with you as regarding like kind of like the final girl's relationship to the movies because another thing that was jumping out at me as i was moving through them myself uh rescreening particularly the ones i'm not as familiar with that i you know saw once or a handful of times and that i don't return to you know with great fondness year after year and a lot of them were the remakes but um <laughs> but uh Looking at it through a lens of just kind of like identifying the final girl alone and not paying attention to the movie at large because that's not what we're unpacking in this discussion, it actually made some of them a little bit more digestible for me. It made it a little bit easier because I think in in every case but one, my opinion, and mm -hmm. I'll tell you when we get there, 
Um, the actor who is portraying the final girl is doing her damn best, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so it makes it a little bit easier if I'm just kind of like using her as a point of entry, which I usually do anyway, but yeah. a lot of other things influence your ride through a movie. But yeah. with, with, but in this particular screening sessions, um, I was, I was really kind of, uh, impressed, uh, by how resilient some of these women were, especially when they weren't handed material that was servicing them. They had to kind of work in service of, you know, the material and and uplift it, make it better. No, you couldn't have said it better, or I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, (laughs) cause I, I completely agree. And I tried to watch them with that mindset. And just performance wise, I, I didn't have a problem with anyone. So I'm curious to see who, (laughs) who the, the one person was that you did. Um, yeah. I kind of have a feeling I know, but I, will <laughs> when we get there, I'll, I'll, uh, when we get there. I'll, 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 I'll say, um, so I guess, I mean, that could be a criteria of what we're looking at is like the performance as well. But I think that that's such a minuscule thing. But for me, like a lot of my complaints really did come down to the writing because I did think that, you know, and I agree when you say that they, they did exactly what they needed to do, but at, at the end of the day, it was just that the material at hand was so abysmal for a lot of these, especially that I just, I absolutely could not, like, they didn't even get a chance to be a character that, and not to, not to show mine or your hands that soon, because I, I don't want to say that, you know, all of the, Originals are better than the remakes because, you know, we, this might come out in, in conversation. Uh, but for a lot of them, it just, it did feel like a downgrade. So that's, you know, what we're going to be talking about a lot here is just, you know, where they did improve, where they kind of, uh, regressed and we're just gonna have a good time and i'm i'm really excited to talk about this i i was kind of dreading it for a while because first of all (laughs) because of all the the content that i had to watch for it but yeah i mean uh today just leading up to this i'm just like no i'm i'm ready um so uh without any further ado there i just want to remind anyone who is listening uh, who is not a Patreon supporter, that this is a free preview, at least for, you know, the first 30 or so minutes. Uh, so mm-hmm. we will go through the first two pairs that we are going to compare and contrast. And then at that point, uh, we will bid you farewell. And if you would like to continue listening, you can head over to my Patreon account, Zach Cherry, Z-A-C-K-C-H-E-R-R-Y, and subscribe at the Freddy Krueger tier where you, where you will get access to this full episode as well as our back catalog of all the other cherry picker after darks including the the uh aforementioned uh final girl rankings final girl we, ranking we yeah. I, I believe it was 86 uh different uh final Ugh. girl characters that we ranked in a in this same template that we're about to uh-huh. uh tell you here um so you can check that out also any tier uh uh on patreon that you are subscribed to will get you early access to all of our regular episodes of the cherry picker so uh something to keep in mind if you uh do love this podcast and you have been listening for a while or you just want to support us so we greatly appreciate all of your help uh in that regard and also uh greatly appreciative to our editor, Boy Cried Wolf. So thank you very much to him, as always. And uh, with that said, Edward, what are the tier rankings or the, the tiers, the quotes? 
Uh, okay. It's always fun to spiral downward. So Absolutely. we're going to start at the top. <laughs> As we usually do. Right. Um, uh, top tier uh, is An Into Survival, Nancy Thompson from Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. 1984. Um, tier just below that is I Can Handle a Sick Old Woman or I Can Handle a Sick Old Woman. <laughs> Either psycho, take your pick. Yeah. <laughs> Lila Crane. And then uh, below that is someone who didn't make the uh, discussion tonight. But um, mm-hmm. uh, what is going on uh, by our own Adrian King playing Alice in the first Friday the 13th? Mm-hmm. Because there, there isn't really an Alice counterpart. I mean, no, maybe I don't consider I don't consider yeah. Friday the 13th 2009 to be a remake of Friday the 13th because it's I mean, the first like two minutes or whatever when like mrs Voorhees is there that's absolutely a remake of Of the end of the original but like from the 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 rest of the movie by and large is just a sequel it's like a different like a convergent timeline (laughs) okay yeah yeah i mean yeah um uh just below that um another final girl who didn't make it because she's not in an og she's in a sequel um a guy hates a girl who comes on too strong and that is um, Rachel from Halloween Four. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's is that one the what was the the return the curse that was the re- the re- oh come on the return of no I was the oh god please I can't I, yeah anyway so that that one yeah a uh, guy hates a girl who comes on too strong and then the bottom <laughs> tier which should be indicative in no way of where we're going to put these characters but am i gonna die uh from (laughs) uh the remake laurie strode scout taylor compton said that line memorably yeah in halloween 2 rob zombies halloween 2 absolutely and i just want to point out that so 11 of the 16 uh that we have here today we had we did previously rank and all of them like they were spread across every single one of these tiers when we did it so it'll be interesting to see you know because that was we did that like a year ago or or more so uh it'll be interesting to see what our perspective is today as we do that because i i mean i think that you know our our perspectives just get sharper the more and more we go, like, you know, who who watches something and then just, like, their opinion of it, it just becomes... I mean, obviously, we can watch movies and, like, hate them more and more over right. time. But I just feel like our understanding of something just becomes um sharper as we as we continue to watch and be a fan or, or a hater of things over <laughs> over a long period of time. Um, also, yeah, with... Re-examine and be more specific. Yeah. Absolutely. And with um, also what I had mentioned about just Friday the 13th and how I don't consider that to be a a remake, all of the movies we've got here, uh, mind you, I'll just, I I may as well say who we've got, uh, who we're talking about here, but every single one of these movies is a remake. Some of them like a little bit more loosely based on it, but for the most part, most of these characters are the same character. Some of them have different names. There are maybe one or two exceptions where it's just like a completely different character altogether, but it's a, the similar scenario. So, sure, we okay. we try we we tried our best. We wanted to have a variety of uh, of different people. So, um, I'll just I'll, I'll go through the the list of what we've got here. So for prom night, uh, the. Uh, well, the original is Kim Hammond, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, in the 1980 movie. And then uh, 
Donna Keppel, uh, played by Brittany Snow in the 2008 yeah. remake. We've got Sally Hardesty, played by Marilyn Burns in The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, as well as Jessica Biel playing Aaron Hardesty in the 2003 remake. Uh, we've got Olivia Hussey playing Jess Bradford in The OG Black Christmas, 1974. And then Kelly Presley... Uh, played by Katie Cassidy in the mm-hmm. 2006 version. Mm-hmm. We've got, oh my gosh, what's her, what's the actress's name who plays Andy's mom or Karen Barkley? Oh, uh, Catherine Hicks. Um, I, I was yeah yeah Catherine. Spot and I'm like oh my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Hicks. Playing, yes, of course it's Catherine Hicks. Yeah, yes, Karen Barkley. <laughs> Attention in, must be paid. In we Child's you, Play. Hicks. Yeah, in Child's Play 88. <laughs> Not to show our hand. <laughs> Don't show your hand. Uh, and then Karen Barkley played by Aubrey Plaza in the 2019 yeah. Child's Play. Uh, we've got Jamie Lee Curtis again uh, playing Laurie Strode in the OG Halloween 1978. And Scout Taylor Compton playing Laurie Strode in Halloween 2007. Then we have Vera Miles playing Lila Crane in the original Psycho, 1960, and Julianne Moore playing Lila Crane in Psycho, 1998. Mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp as Nancy Thompson in the OG Nightmare on Elm Street, 84, versus, uh, oh, what's her name? The actress? <laughs> Rooney Mara. <laughs> Rooney Mara playing Nancy Hallbrook in yeah. the 2010 remake. And then we have an, oh my gosh, do you know the actress's name? Uh, actually, you have it li- right in here. For, in um, yeah, I sent it. Carolyn Craig <laughs> playing yes. Nora Manning in the original House on Haunted Hill. This is 1959 versus Allie Larter playing Sarah Wolf in the 1999 remake of House on Haunted Hill. So these are all the, the ones that we're going to be talking about today. Of uh, A varied list. Um, which Edward came up with entirely on his own, uh, uh, as he did for this idea as well. So, so you, you know, right. you, you you pulled a lot of uh, weight here. So credit where credit is due. But uh, thank you. But you get you gave the green light. So you know, it's collaboration. It's, it's collaboration. True, yeah. It has to run. It has to run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay, Mr. Boss Man. <laughs> let me let me pass it off to you then. Uh, you want to you want to kick us off with the first. Uh, pairing that we're going to be talking about here uh sure um first one uh we're discussing uh in the order i sent you yes yeah (laughs) yeah okay so we're talking psycho with uh the uh lila crane showdown um Mm -hmm. i guess we'll open with vera miles who we actually kind of i think i paid a great deal of attention to her in our discussion on the uh, previous pod so i'll just reiterate a few points and uh, if anything else uh, comes up, it comes up. But um, interesting in 1960, what um, a final girl by default is kind of like allowed to achieve. I think she's um, staunch in her insistence that, you know, they continue to pursue this uh, uh, hunt for her sister uh, who's missing, Marion Crane. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's funny because it's all kind of shaded with, I think, uh, trappings of 
what feminism, what not feminism, but what femininity is supposed to look like uh, around like 1960. Because even though she's very, very strong, she's also, you know, she speaks in very hushed tones and, you know, very, <laughs> and very <laughs> apologizes profusely if she seems to overextend herself. Yeah. Um, like uh, one example for me is when they're, when she and Sam, uh, Loomis of Psycho have gone to uh, the sheriff's house to find out what went on at the Bates motel and everything. And, uh, she's becoming very insistent and the sheriff kind of gives her a look and she's just kind of like, look, I'm sorry if I seem over anxious. It's just, I'm sure something went up uh, on in that house and I have to find out what. And, um, so, I mean, she's still strong, but like still also yeah. very like, oh, I must, I must realize my place. I must remember, you know, that I am, you know, <laughs> uh, well, a person who, I, who can't insist her way into the truth. Basically. Yeah. I imagine that in 1960, you would look at, uh, like a woman like Lila Crane as portrayed by mm-hmm. Vera Miles and that she would probably be not your, like every type of, of woman especially like in in movies unless you're like betty davis you know um where you know everyone was like a lady and proper and i mean like you look you can look at it through 2024 lens uh of this character and just like there nothing seems all that off but at the time that like insistence that she has and just like and you know almost like there is like a confrontational nature to her that mm-hmm. would probably be off-putting in that time like that would be considered uh, unladylike or, you know, that she might be aloof or, you know, just like any sort of like negative uh, connotation that you could uh, put onto a woman who who is a little bit more strong willed. Uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's, this is going to be a hard comparison because we're essentially, it's the same script. It's the same, it, yeah. like everything is almost the same. It's just sort of the, it, it's hard to even balance like the, the, the errors that they came out in because so much of the 1998 right. psycho is like almost like trying to emulate the 1960 temperament, but it's like, it's, it, this is, this whole movie in general, and we'll we'll talk about her like fully on the podcast at one point, but it's like right, right. I find it so fascinating. Like it's not a good movie, but I find it so fascinating because it is like a uh it's an experiment in filmmaking. I don't think that anything yes. really like this has ever uh been made before or after it, just mm. especially in terms of remakes. So it's it, it yeah. it's interesting in that regard. Um but with with Julianne Moore um what i i i think that she's the best part of the movie of the of the remake yeah. uh yeah, she was me. one of those cases that i was discussing where watching yeah. it through her lens and i only did watch her parts because i know the movie yeah. and i know even that movie i've seen it multiple times but it made it so much easier to watch just focusing on her yeah. the entire time and it's mm. interesting because i like she, in both cases vera and julianne are uh, second build, I believe, like after right. Anthony and Vince, uh, respectively. And mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting because like the character Lila has very little screen time. Like this was probably, probably the easiest movie to rewatch. Cause I just <laughs> like skimming through their parts specifically because yeah. there's yeah. so few scenes, uh, and they're mostly mm-hmm. relegated to the back half of the movie because she doesn't really make her first appearance until, uh, she goes into Sam's shop. Uh, I did notice though, uh, and I'd never noticed this before because I haven't watched the remake a whole lot, but the scene where they're at the church 
you know, when yeah. the sheriff's wife is just like, you can come by the house later. It'll be nicer. That doesn't exist yeah. in the remake. No. It, they just no. go the- right from uh, the, when he's taking the mother down to the fruit cellar to uh, Sam and Lila in the car on their way over, where they're just like, we're going to check in as, as husband and wife and look around. Yeah. Well, even that, like the line is man and wife and they make yeah. Julianne Moore say that line and she, do, you know, she just kind of throws it away in a way that she should because you don't want to call any attention to it because no one in 1998 was going to say we're going to register as man and wife. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but one thing about Julianne Moore and the way she kind of like, I, I would say, dominates the space in a way that Vera Miles didn't and probably wasn't allowed to you know like at that particular like it would have come off very differently if Vera Miles would have played it anywhere near where Julianne Moore was coming from they would have been like who's this bitch (laughs) but from the moment Julianne Moore as Lilo marches into Sam's store there's an assertiveness and a directness um and like she has absolutely no time to waste she wants to know where her sister is and she has no problem raising her voice and even there's one point where in the original, there's a few, cause that's the thing. People talk about what a replica it is and it is not at all. Yeah. But, um, there's just a bunch of elements that they, where there's a lot of crossover. But if you go, you know, we'll have that pod and we'll discuss, go down the list of everything that's different. Yeah. But one of the differences that it, uh, as it pertains to these characters is, uh, when Lila first confronts Sam and says, like, um, you know, it's none of my business if you two are in in this together. But if, you know, if, if that's the case, then I want Marion to come here and tell me it's not my business and then I'll go. And when Vera Miles delivers that, it's scripted that she has to break down into tears and turn away, you know, and just kind of like wipe her face and go, sorry about the tears. <laughs> you know, like, sorry about my fragile womanhood. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally distraught. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hysterical. You know, you know how us women are. Yeah. And, <laughs> whereas Julianne Moore, that's a point where she raises her voice and doesn't care. You know, and there is no apology made for any kind of like, you know, like I'm making waves. And she even, again, the way she bounces off of the other actors, Arbogast in the original comes in and seems to also, he's the one who dominates that scene in Sam's shop uh, in the hardware store where, um, because he's the man kind of like with, I guess, the most, I don't know, uh, most access to information and the one who seems to kind of like trying to be see seeing the truth or whatever. Whereas I feel like he looks kind of ridiculous in comparison to <laughs> to Lila, um, Julianne Moore's Lila uh, in the remake, uh, because here he is with like this fedora and he leans back and just kind of like, yeah, let's all talk about it. And I'm like, shut up. you. <laughs> She's the one. She seems to be the one who has like the instincts that make her a much better detective than he is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like everything about the way um, she she kind of like seems to be directing Sam in the, you know, the truck as they're driving to the to the hotel. It's it's much more about her giving him this is what you're going to do and this is what I'm going to do. And then we're going to go in and we're going to, you know, yeah. until we find Marion, we're do not going to leave that place. Do you think you know? that maybe that was a case of William H. Macy uh, as Arbogast being miscast? Or is it just maybe that Julianne Moore <laughs> was too much of a powerhouse for this role? Because she does come in like, cause, you know, just what I was saying before, it's just like you, when you look at the the temperament of like the, the times that these came out, this is 38 years later, that. Mm -hmm. what would Lila Crane look like in 1998 if she came in there? Like she would be more assertive. She would be more, you know, ball busting and, and, and would be more 
prone to raising her voice and just like, I'm not do- going yeah. anywhere until I get what I want. And, and I'm going to embarrass you if I have to. Yeah. And she also, um, I, uh, I, I really love the way she can even put on airs. Like there's a, uh, there's an exchange between <laughs> Vera, uh, not Vera, uh, Lila and Norman in the remake that isn't there. Uh, and based on what, it, how it informs the movie, that's a different story, but yeah, just as far as the character, uh, Norman is having the two of them sign in and he just kind of glances at Lila and she just kind of like, in the original, she just kind of placidly smiles and just kind of averts her eyes. Whereas in the remake, she, uh, she winks at him mm-hmm. almost like reflexively, like, Hey, buddy. And he winks right back. So yeah. we're talking about a completely different dynamic at work. Like, you know, she's a smooth operator. She's going to, she knows how to work her wiles and she knows how to kind of like get guys to drop their guard. Like I'm not worth, you know, being suspicious of just, you know, just take it easy, baby wink. And, um, but I also love the way when they're walking away, uh, Sam keeps trying to put his arm around Julianne Moore's Lila and she keeps kind of like inching away. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and even as they're walking away, like Norman's watching them and he touches the bat, her, her back and she kind of like looks at him like, what the fuck are you doing? Get your hands off me. Yeah. (laughs) Like she's uh, the most, like out of like the whole cast, you know, I said that she was my favorite part as, uh, she is for you, but just like, she's the one that feels the most evolved. Like she's almost in 1998 and everyone else is kind of in varying points in history. Uh, where this movie is concerned. Um, And that's the thing, like, in the original, I can see, I can, like, look at Janet Leigh and Vera Miles, and even though they don't have any screen time together, I mean, like, okay, these two are sisters. Whereas here, you you look at Julianne Moore, and then you look at, like, Anne Heche as Marion Crane, and just, like, there is no fucking way that these two are sisters. Like, they don't even look alike, (laughs) for one. But there's just, like... Well, I mean... <laughs> they both have like those small frame faces, like very compact features with very high cheekbones and pale skin. I mean, eh, I didn't have a problem with that. So. I th- my my favorite part, though, my favorite uh, alteration uh, in yes. the original when they're gonna, when they're about to go to the sheriff's and Lila's just like, let me go get my coat. And she runs back. But oh, here, yeah. this time, now it's let me get my Walkman. And the yeah. thing that makes that so <laughs> hilarious to me is that they're about to go in the car and drive to the sheriff's place and she's insisting on having her Walkman. So that to me implies Mm -hmm. that she's going to sit in the car and just listen to her music by herself and not even engage in conversation. (laughs) It's like, Oh, I have to drive with you. Okay. Let me get my Walkman. And I am not coming back to this store. If we find Marion, I hope I never see you again later. But um, (laughs) I also remember reading at the time uh, in out magazine of all things, Julia Moore was on the cover and I got all excited. I was like, (gasps) Oh, Julianne Moore's gay, and no, she. But it was about Psycho. She was promoting Psycho and yeah. talking about how Ron she Clarice. wanted to play the character. Yeah, she wanted <laughs> to play, but she wa- <laughs> she wanted to play Lila Crane um, as a lesbian and never have it spelled out in the script. But that was also part of what kind of like gave her direction. Which I I don't know if that kind of. I, I wonder how that would go over if somebody put it that way. Because <laughs> at the time, it felt like, oh, great, bring more inclusion, more representation. I wonder if yeah. people would be like, so what does a lesbian act like? You know, like, I wonder how that would go over. Yeah. But I know that she was inspired to kind of like move away from uh, Vera Miles' interpretation because she knew that it wouldn't work for 1998 audiences. But um, yeah. I also think... Uh, 
One of the moments that stood out to me the most, because you talked about Walkman. Um, what I love and what I remember hearing in the audiences, because I watched it twice in a row the night that I went to go see it at the theater, just to kind of wrap my head around it. I was mm-hmm. like, this is a mind fuck. Did I really see this? So I watched it again. Mm-hmm. And um, they, uh, I remember in both screenings, the audience, the women in the audience, when the discovery is made. Norman comes down and he's all in the remake, you know, decked out with the blonde wig and the kimono and whatnot and starts to go at her. And then he's stopped by Sam and the two of them are wrestling around a little bit more so than the original staging. Um, rather than stand aghast the way Vera Miles did, Julianne Moore's Lila uh, just moves toward him and kicks his face <laughs> so he can collapse onto the floor and just be a little more disoriented. And I heard women cheering And I was just kind of like, uh, and watching it again during the screening, the more I watched that movie, the more I realized in this context, because of the way Vince Vaughn plays him, this Norman Bates is much more of a uh, predator, you know, against women. He's much less just kind of like a sick man child who's in arrested development and who can't help what he does, which I think is very much the way Hitchcock displayed him. Gus Van Sant's Norman is um, sicker. And um, harder to sympathize with. And so when you see him get a kick from the sister of one of the women that he murdered, it's kind of like, yes, you know, like there was this bombast uh, mm-hmm. and and this exhilaration experienced by my audiences. And I was just kind of like, OK, I guess I guess that's where we are with this particular incarnation. Um, but in defense of Vera Miles, Lila, one thing that I noticed uh the last time we discussed uh this movie the first the original movie was um something about the way she found strength in her passivity um i i was never more interested in her than when she actually wasn't speaking and when she was just reacting to um the people around her and just seeing how things resonated with her she gave dimension to a part that could have just been a stock character so i think the performance uh, shown through a little bit more than the role, yeah. you know, might have allowed her to. So. Yeah, and the the moment that you're talking about, just like the the kicking uh, in the head, yeah. uh, because I mean, like that's just a little flourish that you know it doesn't really deviate all that much from the original. But like you, no. we've had this conversation before where you've kind of criticized movies, um, like for instance, Halloween Resurrection, when mm. uh, Buster Rhymes is going toe-to-toe with Michael in, like, the yeah. Kung Fu, and then Sarah, the character's name, jumps on Michael's back to kind of, like, just to get involved, to participate, to show that she's a strong woman. <laughs> and, you, and you, and and I agree, rightfully so, like, it's just, like, it's not empowering because it's just showing that, like, here's a female character who's just just to show that they're there, but really they're not capable. Mm. Like the most that they can do is sort of slow them down for a second. They're not actually doing sure, anything productive. Sure. Like it's like the same circumstance. Would It would play out exactly the same way, whether they jumped on his back or not. And <laughs> and I see that sure. like with, with Lila at the end there, Julianne Moore kicking him in the head. It's more of just like, yeah, like, like one for the women. Whereas like if they were really trying to, 
do a retelling of this. And obviously they were really, or like Gus Van Sant was like really bound to the exact same script. There would have been mm. a, a reversal, like uh, uh, Julianne Moore's Lila would have actually had a lot more agency in taking down Norman mm. rather than it being uh, Viggo Mortensen playing Sam. So it just seemed right, like it was just one of those things yeah. to like, you know, to to tick a box and just be like, yeah, we did that. We had like <laughs> the female empowerment, even though it's like, is it really empowering? Like she was just she was given an opportunity to because like, the you know, the guy came in and he restrained him and then she came over and she's like, take that. So it's <laughs> I mean, I know. hear that yeah. Uh, again. Yeah, n- not very mm-hmm. final girl, but also, like we said, this was a character who like it, it isn't often included in the final girl discussion and is seen, I think, more as a survivor of the movie yeah. than the movie's designated final girl. So, to, I mean, I agree, like it's very limiting to kind of like yeah. try and still kind of color color new shades within the same lines on the paper you know like (laughs) and try and create something without like veering too much out of it um but i mean i guess it was just like like you said like a kind of a quick fix from having her just kind of stand there with her jaw dropped and go oh my gosh Mm -hmm. what is this you know (laughs) because that wouldn't fly either i feel if she just stood there yeah so and the the last thing i'll say (laughs) yeah the last thing i'll say is that uh I, i i can't remember if we talked about this on the psycho 2 uh, podcast, or mm. it might have been a comment from uh, someone on the YouTube or uh, in my Patreon, but they said, and I'm sorry, I forget who this was, uh, but they said that they need mm. to remake Psycho 2 with Julianne Moore and Vince Vaughn. Like now, like do it now while it's still within the the, <laughs> the timeline. <laughs> oh my God. That was another thing. Like I was looking at the the actors in in the movie and all i could think was vince vaughn looks so young and julianne moore looks exactly the same she does i was like trying to like how old is julianne moore now because she does look exactly the same good for her like gorgeous timeless beauty good for her um okay what are we thinking for for the lilas (sighs) well i mean i mean i i you know uh Obligatory kick notwithstanding, I was really arrested by uh, Julianne Moore's interpretation of this role. I feel like she did more with it than arguably anybody else who's involved with the remake. So to start with her, I'd be comfortable even putting her into I am into survival. Oh, wow. But yeah, so that's a little too high. That's a little too high. Okay, where where do you see her? Well, I think she can handle a sick old woman. She definitely can. Yeah. She asserted that she can, and yeah. I believe her. Yeah. Okay, so we'll put her there. Um, so Lila Crane, nineteen ninety-eight. And the <laughs> so nineteen and the Vera right. Miles one. And then the Vera Miles one. Um, I think she can handle a sick old woman too, but I'd put her below Lila Crane nineteen ninety-eight. How about you? Um yeah, I'd say I I think taking into consideration that this is 1960 and for its yeah. time this is still like you know you you compare and contrast them like that like if Julianne Moore existed in 1960 and was playing that role at the same age like yeah she would have played it the way I mean not exactly but just you know would have been directed to play it the way that Vera Miles was so I I of concur I, I I think that uh, I, I can 
go with that. And I would say below. And what's interesting is uh, we had Julianne Moore in I Can Handle a Sick Old Woman uh, originally when we did the last ranking. And we actually had Vera Miles in What is Going On? So Vera Miles moved up. Okay, good. I know because she knows what's going on. She does. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's just in the wrong era. She's not afraid of coming on too strong, and she knows what's going on, so she gets to be above those tiers now. Good for you, Vera Miles. So now we've got Black Christmas, Jess Bradford uh, versus Kelly Presley. Mm -hmm. You want to lead us in? (sighs) Okay. Um, Well, we covered OG, (laughs) Black Christmas from 1974. We did, yeah. And again, like, I sang a lot of accolades for uh, Jess Bradford. Um, I I still, (laughs) I still appreciate the, hello, pardon, who, when she answers the It's the Mona. (laughs) Yes, right. And just imagine her going Um, to see like the Mona Lisa and just be like, it's the Mona Lisa. (laughs) It's much smaller in person. (laughs) What? I should, I'm raising my voice. (laughs) You'd like me to take it down. Anyway, um... One thing that I don't remember mentioning in the original pod that um, always stood out to me um, was also just her introductory sweater that she's wearing at the party with the hands on it. The hands across the the chest, yeah. Yeah, or, well, the torso, certainly. And I I remember just thinking, yeah, there's something very uh, violating, you know, like almost prescient, in a prescient way, just kind of like, he's got you in his clutches kind of way that jumped out to me. I saw it more Um, as like a hug. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> it, it, to me, it had more... No, because she's wearing... It, you know, this is something that she's chosen of her own collection, and she's and she's put it on. It didn't... It, it, it felt yeah, like she I, had control over that. It, you know, was within her agency to, yeah. to wear it. Like, I, I saw it more just like it seemed... It seemed, like, protective and peaceful. Oh, okay. For me, it felt yeah. more like it was it was juxtaposed against outdoor shots of like you know a stranger looking at the at the sorority house, and then yeah. you see hands on her. The only like, thing oh, that shit. like that reminds me of that that I, I I always get a kick out of referencing this movie because uh, I know you hate it so much. <laughs> but in Burlesque, when they're doing that oh, number and like God. they've got those, it's like the same things like the hands on uh, the wherever they they're sewn onto the thing. Watch the movie again. You'll, I do you'll, not. You'll I, yeah, I don't remember that at all. But sure, I'll take your word for it. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, um, really early on we see um, that she draws a boundary with her boyfriend Peter, even about when she's going to break news to him over the phone. He keeps insisting that she tell him, and she's just kind of like, no, I'm going to do it on my own time. And I love the fact that um, – he even says, I love you as they're hanging up in that initial phone call. Mm-hmm. And she just says, I know. And I'm just kind of like, you got there before Han Solo. Rock, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but then once she does have this uh, kind of sit down with him the next day, she's direct and honest about her feelings and what her plans are. And just basically is including him not in on the decision, but certainly on the information which she, I think, judges correctly. Right. Maybe. I mean, that's for anybody to judge for themselves. I won't say she does it correctly. It's correct because it's her decision to make him privy to this decision she's making. But um, 
And then he makes it all about him and tells her to get out of his little piano hall there. And I like that she even just respects that boundary and doesn't try to apologize or try to continue talking with him. She's just like, fine, peace out. And she leaves. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then um, she's got other things going on because Claire's gone missing. And when Chris, she's the one who contacts Chris, uh, Claire's boyfriend, to let her know, like, Claire's missing. We got to do something about this. This is Here's all I know. Everything about the character dictates. It's such a shift from... Uh, uh, where we've come, uh, from Lila, uh, even like, I won't address the other ones yet, but just even from like Lila, like, you know, this is about like 14 years difference in, you know, what we're allowing young women to kind of like do on screen. Mm -hmm. And she's already so incredibly self-possessed and sure about what she's doing. Because it's it's what's right for her, so that's what makes it the right decision. And I don't ever see her and I mean doubting and that. right and I for am. her her sisters as well, because she is kind of the one who's right. leading the charge. Uh, not in a, not in a, a way that she's like telling everyone like what to do, but she's always kind of like at the center of the you know go like taking them to the the police station or whatever. And you know you have characters like Barb who are just like it seemed like Barb would be happy to just like be drinking and not do anything, but she's kind of sure. like in almost like it encouraging them to like, okay, we gotta do this. And everyone is going along with it and just being like, yeah, like we're because yeah. they're concerned about Claire. And it's and it's all yeah. mostly due to to Jess just being this sister who you know clearly is nurturing to the people around her and that's something that with kelly uh is on the surface there like they're like it's almost like her the the scene where we're introduced to her she has this whole bit about how you know it's important that she spends time with her sisters because she doesn't have any like biological right. sisters and yada 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 and other than just like saying that and like there are like you know little bits here and there uh but it's just like she's just kind of there for most of the movie um mm-hmm. and she's and she's the blonde one you know like everyone uh is brunette <laughs> so she kind of stands out a little bit more because of that but mm-hmm. she's just sort of like the sweet one like she's well everyone else is being catty and they're just like making digs into one another or just talking shit about the people who aren't in the room she's just like i'm so happy to be here with you people and it's just like but why <laughs> like <laughs> why like you don't like these girls they don't like you but she's you know she's wrapping gifts she's just smiling and everything she she's actually like of all of the girls there, I think she says the least. She has, like until like she's more so just the only one left. But yeah, all the other personalities. It's just like uh, the casting in this movie is really good because uh, they they have Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Lacey Charbet, Michelle Trachtenberg, and like each one of them uh, is infusing a very unique personality to it. Even like the other girl, I don't know the actress's name, but the one who's kind of like the, the Barb proxy, I would say yeah, the one yeah. who's just like yeah. drunk and throwing up and just being obnoxious. Um, <laughs> so she's just kind of, it, it's almost like she, her, it's like a lack of a personality with her for, for, for a lot of the movie. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there are no real bold character defining qualities about her besides being a pretty decent person, which, you know, is cool. Like it, it, it's yeah. fun to see her kind of like have fun 
while observing her friends really kind of actively pursuing the fun. Mm -hmm. And she's just like a sensitive girl who can empathize with her, with her sisters. Um, But until she argues with Mrs. Mack uh, played by Andrea Martin, uh, not reprising her role from (laughs) the first movie because spoilers, Phil dies, but um, (laughs) uh, about being safer when they stay together. Like that's when she really starts to kind of like stand her ground. And then she's actually pretty fucking tough, I think, in the climactic battle. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, well, predominantly, with predominantly, like, with Agnes. But when Billy makes his presence known, she gets, like, uh, <laughs> she gets some help from Lee, uh, Claire's sister, and that's good. But, I mean, I, I, I in the epilogue, I think, that's when... <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this movie. But when she shocks the shit out of Agnes, like a... Like a hardcore badass, you yeah, know, like, it, like <laughs> in the 2000s. Like, you know, uh, Sydney it. to Jill, pre-Scream 4. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, <laughs> well, there was, there was one scene um, when she is, I, I think the girl's name is Megan or whatever. There's so many yeah. fucking girls in this house. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. where are they? Yeah. Nobody's like, where is everyone? But like. They're everyone's in like their own little spaces, and the the one that I guess is uh, uh, her boyfriend is cheating on, or che- yeah. like uh, cheating with. Um, yeah, and she's like, for whatever reason, she goes into the room, and this never made any sense to me because um, she's she just goes in while he's out in the hallway, and he's you know obviously trying to distract everyone, or he's continuing the story about Billy. And Kelly goes in and she's just like rummaging through things. Like there's no reason or purpose until later on. And she says, well, I'm just trying to see if there's a note. But it's like you were like full on, like you're like going into like private personal places. Like what are you looking for? Exactly. Like if she was going to leave a note, it wouldn't be here. So that was just like a very strange decision that they made for this character. Essentially just to get to the point where she sees the computer screen and then the the, uh, still frame of the two of them fucking sure. which right. you can find out um, that, that he's trash <laughs> right i mean because well that's another thing like the fact that she's even introduced like kind of like within that context of her boyfriend as opposed to the way jess is introduced within the context of her sisters like first off um yeah. i do kind of like where where kelly begins and ends though because they do kind of introduce her in this kind of like well you could be anybody uh way and then by the end of it, she is kind of like the undeniable victor of the movie. Like she wins. Yeah. She wins the movie. But um, whereas with Jess, it's much more uh, uh, varied and nuanced because <laughs> even though we, I feel like we're kind of always on her side, although some people aren't when she doesn't leave the house when she's told that the call's coming from inside the house. Um, I, I, You and I already discussed, you know, like what a strength we see that as for her because her friends might not be dead. What if they're just hurt or incapacitated and they need help? So Mm -hmm. that's where her heart and her mind are when she runs up those stairs. And she doesn't do it without a weapon either. She takes that, that uh, like fire iron (laughs) up with her and she doesn't drop it until her boyfriend is dead, who she suspects is the killer, you know, like, and even then she's still holding it when, <laughs> when she's laying when, there yeah. with his, his dead body, like, you know, his, yeah. his, his skull, just like they're leaking blood onto her lap. Yeah. Um, and then the way she ends is not really her fault because she's immediately drugged and just kind of left there, you know, to lay unconscious for four hours while everybody evacuates the house. That's not 
her yeah. fault, but the fact that the movie leaves her there is a little bit bleaker and more dismal yeah. to me. Whereas this has like more of like a like girl boss finale of just like <laughs> kicking ass and and doing all that. And I and right. I and I actually really enjoy. I I, I really like Katie Cassidy. Uh, I actually think you know we haven't gotten to the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, but she's also in that. She's playing the updated version of Tina, the Amanda uh, Wiss, yeah. uh, or is yeah. it Weiss? It's Wiss. Wiss character. Um, and I thought that she was much better in that movie than she was in this movie, uh, mm. just in, in terms of what she was playing there. Um, and not to say that she's bad here, because this is another case of just like, it's the no. material that she has to work with. Yes. Because um, yeah. I think that like, there's definitely the moments there where, where like the confrontation uh, when Miss Mac is leaving and she's just like, no, we do not leave our sisters behind sort of thing. And, it, and it's like the good intentions that just kind of like fall to the wayside because she's not able to save any of her sisters. Um, even like the character played by, uh, I, I, uh, is it Kristen? Uh, she was in Final Destination. The one that plays the older sister of Claire. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, because um, she's, I can't remember her. she kind Ooh. of, I'm, I'm looking it up here. Um, okay. Kristen Cloak. Oh, she, cause she, there's yes. a moment between, uh, the two of them and the the boyfriend Kyle before he gets his comeuppance because he's just like you're not even sisters or whatever like he just says something to that oh, effect and God. and and the the sister like the older sister of Claire says just like she is now or some something to that effect something of just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we now have this bond and it goes into the finale and they're like really they're like trauma bonded and then immediately like she gets killed off and it's like yeah. okay like this is you have nothing to show for anything that you went through other than the fact that you killed them. And I mean, sometimes that's enough, but I feel like with everything that was, they were so heavy handed with just about like the sisterhood and, and this and that and, and how it was so important to her. It just, it felt like a failure for her that she wasn't able to, to save anyone in that regard. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because I feel like the, the, the connective tissue between Kelly and Jess is probably they're both incredibly decent people who we like, who have shitty boyfriends. And that kind of ends there. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they are not the same character at all. And that's, they don't even have the same name. So, uh, right, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but um, I think, um, like, oh, one thing in terms of, like, again, like, it feels very 2006, like, the, the confrontation she has with her boyfriend once it kind of like becomes clear that he's cheating on her. But one thing, one direction that I like about the movie is she becomes about more than her world is, is not consumed by him. But well, actually that's another similarity because Jess's world isn't consumed by Peter either. But um, mm-hmm. she, so she spent kind of like the first half of that movie. Her default is just keep going back to like worrying about your boyfriend, looking for your boyfriend, talking about your boyfriend, whatever. And then once he's out, he's out. And then it's all about, you know, my sisters and me. Yeah. basically where and with Jess like the way that that manifests for me is um I think when he when Peter proposes to Jess in the original I think she's smart enough to know that giving into his proposal um because he's like you can still do all the things you want to do when she's telling him no remember when you told me what you want to do and what your plan was and now you're gonna go you know you don't want to do it anymore well I told you my plans too and I still want to do those things he's like but you can we just got to get married and you'll do those things and I think she knows if she marries him no because that's giving in once you're giving in for like a lifetime he's gonna keep finding ways to talk you out of what you want to do and she so I that's another really admirable 
something about her that so, I think might put her a little higher than Kelly for me. But what do you think as far as their placement in this? Um, well, absolutely. Uh, Jess is uh, above Kelly. Uh, and it, uh-huh. it, a lot of it just comes down to the, to the writing. Because, I mean, I, obviously Kelly can handle herself at the end. Yeah. And, that, you know, not to say that Jess can't, but I mean, like, she does make the mistake of, you know, assuming the wrong person is the killer and, and, and this and that, but sure. a lot of these things are out of her control, but it's also, it comes down to so much more. And like you said, there's more nuance to Olivia Hussey's character of just like, just yeah. where, where she kind of traverses through this theme of just like, you know, kind of like just being a nice person and just like the, yeah. the shitty boyfriend and that. And I feel like everything with like the sister, the uh, sorority sisters and that, and the protectiveness is inherent in both of these characters where it's just, it's nuanced with Jess and, and with Kelly, it's very much just like it's written because that's what the script demanded. Um, Character so, shifts gears, becomes badass. Yeah, I would, I would put, um, I, I, I would say that Jess it would go and I can handle a sick old woman. Uh, I would put Kelly in. What is going on? And normally, I would put her, I would put her in a guy hates a girl that comes on too strong. But like I said, I really like Katie Cassidy. She was in the yeah. update of Melrose Place. Uh, she played Ella Sims. She was also the best part of that show. Um, and I, oh. you know, when you when when we stand someone, it just like it just mm-hmm. you know puts them up a little bit higher. So um, it's funny yeah. that you say that because I actually love K- Katie Cassidy for almost the opposite reason because she's also a character. She played a character on Arrow, the DC uh, right. superhero show, and she are in my opinion. I haven't finished the series yet, but I'm in season four. Yeah. She is the worst character I think that they have. You know, as a as a principal character, you, you're there every week. Yeah, and yet I don't hate her. She plays her. To the best of her ability, she's always fully invested, and I have nothing but admiration for her as a performer. I just wish I'm like, write Laurel better, guys. Come on, she's kind of wishy-washy and crying over a guy all the time, yeah. and then no, I'll be fine. That's my trajectory. It's like, oh dear God. But yeah. anyway, so well, she was okay. So she was she, big on the the CW. She's in all those shows, and she oh, went yeah. she she went head to head with Amanda Woodward and. And beat her. So <gasps> whoa, I know, right? Okay, wow. She was, she she, she took she took some more, of but... her final girl energy and brought it to Melrose Place. <laughs> <laughs> but it I mean, still does not hold take... a candle to the original Melrose Place. But she <laughs> she made it. And I think one of the, one of the reasons I think I'm comfortable keeping uh, not even Katie Cassidy, but Kelly yeah. in the what is going on tier is probably the amount of screen time she has. Just kind of being passive. Like, they could have made her a little bit more proactive, and especially when you have such a beautiful example set for you, and to have it be kind of kind of a step back. Like, okay, yeah, she can go there. And then where in I Can Handle a Sick Old Woman would you put Jess? Well, uh, where where would you say? I think she deserves to be above both Lila's. Okay. All right. Interesting. She's written um, better. I I agree with you, and I will do that. I just want to point out that when we did our rankings uh, earlier, she was actually below uh, Remake Lila. Really? Yeah. Okay, no. Yeah. Yeah. That was before, we did that before we we covered (laughs) Black Christmas on the podcast. Okay. No, that was a mistake. Yeah. I'm glad we've rectified that. All right. (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, if you've made it this far, uh, this is going to be the end of the preview. So head over to Patreon, Zach Cherry, and subscribe to the Freddy Krueger tier to catch the rest of this episode. Thank you for watching and listening to this preview.